With more than 22 years of success in sales and sales leadership, Steve Harrow has a passion and burning desire to change the way we look at sales. He is also the CEO and founder of Victory Selling, a sales training organization of which I am a part of. Steve has trained thousands of salespeople to reach their targets, has risen to the top of his field in multiple industries, and leaves his audiences and clients changed for the better. He's the author of Sales Is Not a Dirty Word and has been a sought after speaker both before and after its release. His message to the world of sales is simple integrity, honesty, and humility are essential in today's business world. If you want to learn how to sell effectively and tactfully, that is the way to do it. Steve reached out to me a little less than a year ago, and I immediately knew that if I was going to learn how to actually sell amidst the pandemic, there is no better option than Steve and his organization. If you're looking to get into sales or really just business in general, I highly encourage you to reach out to Steve and take the sales DNA test. This will tell you everything you need to know about how you currently approach sales and what you need to fix. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. And now here's my conversation with Steve Haru. Appreciate you coming on here this morning, Steve. Uh, like you guys heard in the intro, I've been working with Steve here over the past couple months has really helped me uh, kind of become the salesperson that I am today. So Steve, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Excited to be on. It's awesome uh, seeing your growth. So happy to uh, be a part of it. Appreciate it, man. So the, the first question that I always ask people is how did you become conscious? And I think for you, that really means when, especially because you're a sales trainer, like when did you realize that a lot of the sales tactics and really just the reputation that salespeople had was not going to be effective and there needed to be a change? I, uh, I, I had a, the aha moment actually quite early on, almost when I was born in my sales career, when I, uh, started selling Cutco knives and, you know, I was super quiet growing up, right? I didn't, I mean, from second grade through high school, I didn't say a word. I mean, no, no dances, no dates, no proms, nothing like that. No girls, deathly afraid of people. And, uh, when I went to college, I, uh, wanted to contribute, help my parents pay for it. I went to a very expensive business school in Boston and, uh, I saw this flyer on the desk and it said, you know, $10 an appointment uh, and a phone number and part-time work. That was it. So I called it up and they said it was uh, sales, you know, and customer service. And, uh, You're like, oh no. And, uh, yeah. I said, uh, do I have to talk to people or is there like a desk job or something? You know, I, I didn't want to <laughs> talk to people. So they go, no, that's not really the job. I said, uh, what would I be selling that? And they said, we'll tell you when you get here. So, you know, I, I go in, it's Cutco Knives, of course. And they hired me. And, uh, you know, I was excited because I got hired, right? But then you find out later, you know, <laughs> you're, the qualifications are, you know, a pulse and you're, you know, upright. <laughs> right. So I uh, tell my parents and they're like, you're not doing that. Mm. I said, why not? And they go, okay, one, you don't speak. Two, nobody's going to buy your knives. And three, I'm not giving you the money for the knife kit. Mm. You know, because you got to buy it, right? So, of course, uh, my dad's like, there's no way. So then I just said to my mom, I'm like, hey, mom, can I have 150 bucks? Um, so, of course, she loans me the money. And uh, my dad's like, you just lit that on fire, you know? 
quite quite supportive uh, family. But uh, you already know my parents are the Costanzas from Seinfeld, so yeah, there wasn't exactly a lot of support there. But uh, so I started. I went to training, you know, and then uh, they give you this big long. Uh, script, I guess, right? It's I don't know, 30 pages, right? You have to memorize the whole thing, memorize the clothes, all this. So I went, went to my first demo with my aunt. I, I was reading it, you know, because I didn't have it all memorized. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not going to say this to somebody. Mm. This, this is, and remember, I had never sold anything ever, but I knew I wasn't going to say this you know, and it was the, you know, the sales jargon and the used car crap and the, you know, mm. what can I do to put you in this knife set today mantra, you know, just awful, right? Sales speak. And I recognized it at 18 that I will never, ever do this to somebody. If they buy, they buy, if they don't, they don't, but I ain't saying this. So I kind of, realized I should probably do something I had never seen in sales or even been taught, right? Which is called tell people the truth. Um, it was probably rare back then, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It was just uh, an odd time. And, and, but again, we learn all this garbage, you know, from all these ridiculous, you know, movies, right. That promote, you know, the scumbag salesperson. Mm-hmm. So I just said, well, what would I do if I was, was going to buy knives? I'd probably want to try them. You know, I mean, so I, for my demos, I would just go to the grocery store and buy food. So this is also what taught me to invest in your business early, right? So I would go and buy, you know, 10 bucks, right? Worth of groceries. I didn't need, I didn't have 10 bucks, but I would buy, you know, tomato, cantaloupe, right? Cucumber, onion, whatever, right? To bring to the demos. Because what if they didn't have food? What if they didn't go shopping? Yeah. Because the, the Cutco demo was you cut this penny, right, with the, with the super shears, and then you cut this piece of rope, right, with their knife or with our knife. I mean, who the fuck's eating rope for dinner? You know, it's just <laughs> weird, right? So I spent, sometimes I lost, right? Sometimes people didn't buy and I lost $10. But obviously, you know, dollar cost averaging, I guess, right? It, it, it clearly made me a ton more money. And my first three weeks in the business, I made 1600 bucks, um, you know, doing five demos over the weekend. I mean, it was like 1.6 million, right? For an 18 year old kid. Oh yeah. Um, so then I went home after the, you know, the still I was in college, lived at college, but I went home, this is over Christmas break and said, Hey dad, you were right. The knife thing, you know, didn't work. And uh, he said, I told you, Stevie, it wasn't going to work. And I go, ah, I'm just kidding, dad. Here's my check choke on it. <laughs> um, I didn't say that because he would have kicked the crap out of me, but uh, I did show him the check and he looked at it and he's like, this is from the knives. I'm like, yeah, dad, this is from the knives. Huh. He goes, uh, let me see these fucking knives. <laughs> we're from Boston, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, knives, you know, and he was just like cut with them, right? He goes, these are pretty fucking good. I go, yeah, I told you. He goes, maybe we'll buy some of these, you know, and that that's <laughs> what I knew, like, you know, 
people can change. It's hard to get people to change, but mm. once he saw them and you know understood that you shouldn't just doubt somebody because maybe they're quiet or maybe they don't have the right education or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's when I first learned and I, my, my senior year was went on to be a uh, number one Cutco rep in the country. So, um, you know, it's kind of quite a transformation, but that's what I learned early. Just, you know, just tell people the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Use your intuition um, and, and, help people see the value you provide if they buy they buy if they don't they don't you can't control that i think i think that's a really good point if you can't control if they buy or not but you can control how you present the offer yes. and to, be, to be fair to your dad it's like if you had probably followed that 30 page manuscript and cut rope and pennies in front of people probably wouldn't have made 1600 so that's no. probably what he had in mind at that time but that's that's pretty interesting. I want to kind of go back a little bit because you mentioned yeah. um, that you went to college. Did you have um, kind of two questions here? One, did you have sales in mind at all going into college? Was that ever no. something on your plate? Um, and no. if so, like how did, um, do, you, do you need to go to college for sales or is that something that you can no. kind of just pick up and do? I'll give you two answers, no and no. <laughs> um, no. I went to college for accounting. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wasn't the smartest kid. I probably was a I don't know, B student, I guess, in high school. Same. But, um, when I first started doing the accounting work, right, the core work, I, I was just like, this is awful. Like, I'm not, I'm out, right? So I changed my major to marketing because that sounded easy and fun, and, you know. Yeah. And, and my favorite professor of all time, you know, he my first marketing class, Perry Lowe, I'll never forget it. Um, it was new product development. And in his office, he had all these products, you know, that failed, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, like uh, crystal Pepsi and like, you know, pickle flavored ice cream and shit like that, that you, you're like, what? The? He just liked the branding, the marketing, you know, he was really, really awesome guy. And mm-hmm. um, he kind of, got me flowing into the you know business and marketing and stuff like that. And by, by that time, I had already been successful with Cutco. You know, this is my uh, sophomore year. So I realized like, I like the selling thing now. So, but they didn't have sales at Bentley, right? Now, my so my school, Bentley College, which is now a, a university is literally like a top 10, top 15 business school in the world. I mean, the, the entrepreneurship program, right? The, they're, um, CIS stuff, all, you know, their technology platforms, everything they have, they didn't have when I was there. And now there are colleges that teach sales, like you can major in sales. I mean, it's, it's like this, um, hmm. I don't know, this kind of like, uh, it's, it's new. It, it, it took a while to get people to realize that sales runs the world. And so now they should teach it. Granted though, your second point about do you need college to, to do? I'll never forget my operations class, you know, was about how to run a business, right? On the operational side. And this guy's teaching and teaching, and I'm not learning too much. I mean, some new stuff, but anybody could have read it out of a book, right? So, right. After class, I go to the professor, I go, I'm just curious, um, how many businesses have you run? What do you think his answer was? None. Course zero. zero. And then I was like, I'm 
my parents are paying 60 grand for me to learn from a guy who's reading a syllabus. Isn't that? So that's kind of when I realized it was too late, right? This is junior year. Yeah. You're already in. You're already in. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I wish I could have got that money back from my parents. But uh, yeah, unless you're, you know, lawyer, right? You know, doctor, of course. you know, you have to have these degrees. But business, I don't think so. I know a lot of MBAs who, who I wouldn't let run a fucking lemonade stand. Yeah. Right? I mean, you haven't Thanks got the us. slightest clue, right? Mm-hmm. But they go, well, I got, I got my degree here. They got it hung in their office. Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, it's an individual choice, obviously, right? Some people would, maybe they like college and some don't. And I, I got more, all my best friends are from college. So there's no, you can't take that back, right? The experience is. I never would have found Cutco knives if I didn't go because that's where the flyer was, right? And right. I never would be doing what I'm doing, so I wouldn't take it back. But I do think it's it's uh, it's it's not a smart investment for most, right? I mean, one out of seven people, one of seven, right? Thirteen percent are doing what they went to college for and paid one hundred and twenty-five thousand, right? One out of seven. So what, those are not good odds, right? You might not take those, right? If you were presented that and the student loan debt, you know, it's, what is it? One, 1.5, 1.5 trillion now, Some, something, like, something that. like that. Yeah. And the average person pays off their student loan debt at age 41. I mean, wow. 41. So that 150,000 you spent is actually 600,000 right? 800,000, a million, right? Because they don't, people don't understand interest and how that all works. And so you ended up paying a million bucks for an education you don't use. Mm. So, you know, it's it's really important. I think it's important for people to kind of understand that, that concept. Number one being that I I just would love to know what these, I'd love to like sit in on one of these like sales college courses and just like wonder what exactly they're teaching. (laughs) I know a couple of people who've gone through them and it's not good. Uh, It's not good. And, and the stuff that they're teaching, it's theory, you know, they've never done it. Like if you, if I go to quarterback school, I want, you know, Brady or Rogers (laughs) or, you know, I want to see them or breeze. Right. I, I, I don't want to have a course taught to me by uncle Rico, you know, like if you've done it, you could teach me it. Right. And I, I don't know, it's odd, but that's how they do it, man. They, they don't do that with like law school or medical school. They're fucking lawyers or doctors. You yeah. You don't get taught how to be a surgeon by some guy who watched YouTube earlier. You know? Right. Thankfully. So, I mean, they're basically just interpreting what they read right. from a book to you yes. without yes. having no any experience. actual experience. Yeah. No experience. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is yeah that's funny so i'd love to i'd love to see like what that that looks like now but anybody i think it's important like for business the fact that people can kind of put this together in terms of one sales is extremely important like you said sales kind of runs the world without without sales in any business you can't have a successful company i mean you need to to bring in revenue so when you think about that being a, a huge part of business and the fact that you don't need to go to college for it, it's it's almost like, wow, that's that's really interesting. And for somebody like myself who didn't see the value in college, number one, and wanted to go into business, it's like the logical step is just figure out sales, fail a lot, get experience instead of reading about it, and just kind of kind of learn from there. I think that's extremely, I think it's much more valuable than than reading a textbook on sales. And the, the ROI is is it's immeasurable, right? Yeah. If you put a hundred grand into a business versus into college. Um, and one thing I, I, I loved about Cutco, and, and which I think to this day is the same, one of the best things that ever happened is, so if you do well, you could get selected to run a branch office. And basically what a branch office is, is you run a Cutco office over the summer you know, in between, you know, your college years, mm-hmm. but you do it. You find the space, right? You pay the electric bill, you pay for advertising, you hire, recruit, train, you have a receptionist, you have accounting, like mm. that, that, and these are 18, 19 year old kids who are getting to run a real business right over the summer. That's huge. Now, many of them fail. Um, Many of them don't make a profit. Mm-hmm. A lot do. A lot kill it. Uh, we did. I did. I did okay. But it taught me so much. I mean, uh, way, way more than I ever learned in any class. So the, I, you know, I, some things with like about Gary V, I agree with some I don't agree with. Obviously, everybody's like that. You can never going to agree with everybody. But, right. you know, so investing in a business early and failing and work, you know, that if you drop a hundred G's right into a business and it doesn't work, let me tell you, that's a hell of a lot better than dropping a hundred G's into college. And you ain't doing that thing anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn anything right in, in the business world. You learn a shit ton by having a failing business. So I think more people should be looking at that. And again, you don't have to spend a hundred grand. Well, maybe it's too, what did, um, so I was in Florida, you know, last week and I, I was telling you guys on the call, I, uh, I caught a snook in front of Sarah Blakely's house. Right? Oh yeah. In water. Um, I think she started Spanx for, don't quote me on this, but maybe five or 10,000. It was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't very huge, much. Yeah. Um, a huge sum of money. And there's a million stories like that. Um, you guys ever have, uh, you ever have Cape Cod potato chips? You know what those are? Yeah, yeah. So it's a different connected fishing story. My dad uh, lives down in Florida. We went fishing with these guys. And one of the guys told the story. And back in the 70s, one of his buddies was making these chips, you know, in his kitchen. Mm. And everybody loved him, but he could only make, you know, a couple of batches right at a time. And they're like, man, you got to You should start a business. Right. And so he decided to start a business. So he asked four friends for five grand, right. Each. So he needed 20 grand for the machines and stuff. Yep. 
and my dad's friend was one of the four. But in 1978 or nine or whatever it was, right, five grand, you know, then, you know, that's probably 20 grand today. So it wasn't nothing. Mm -hmm. But my dad's friend goes, nah, he goes, I wanted the Mustang and I wanted, you know, chicks. So I bought the Mustang. He could have been one of the four original owners of Cape Cod potato chips. Wow. um, Which is worth hundreds of millions, right? Yeah. Talk about an ROI. (laughs) Yeah. So he told that story and it's like, this guy started Cape Cod potato chips for 20,000 bucks, not even his own money, only five of his own. Mm -hmm. So you guys, you know, if you're listening, you don't need a hundred grand to start a business, right? You just need a good idea and some heart to write and will and be ready to bust your ass and go sell that to people. Yep. Um, so that, that's kind of where I think it's, you don't have to go crazy with the money, right? But you do with the passion. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I think it's really crazy. I mean, I remember when I was about to graduate high school and I, and I saw this, that banks will, you know, they, they won't even think twice about giving out $60,000 a year. I mean, that's what I got quoted at as well for college is 60,000 a year to an 18 year old with a 3.1 GPA. They'll just do write that all day. But if I go to the bank right now and ask for a $10,000 business loan, it'll be extremely yeah. tough to get it. If I even get it at all, like it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy. And that's why just to, to touch on really getting that full rounded experience. I think that Cutco like offering that to, to young people is an amazing thing, especially back then. Um, and just yeah. speaking from experience, experience and I was 18 for those of you guys probably know, but I've started running the valet service in Milwaukee and I started out just doing sales and marketing for it. And then I kind of absorbed the management role. And then I was learning about the back end of business and payroll and accounting. And I had to hire people and do interviews. And I like, I learned granted COVID ended up making it fail, but in that short 10 month window, like I really learned probably more than I would say three to four years worth of, if I just went to college for business or marketing, it's like, I learned just by being in the trenches and and ultimately just failing at a lot of things. Um, so the fact that Cutco was giving that out, that opportunity back then, I'm sure it's helped a lot of those people who got tons. the opportunity to yeah. do that. Yeah. Tons. That's, that's awesome. So I, I mean, it sounds like when I know this, that you've obviously been extremely successful in your sales career, but early on, did you have any, and a lot of people can relate to this and especially myself early on, but did you have any like self-limiting beliefs that you had to overcome? You mentioned that um, you didn't really speak that much or talk to girls really from the, you know, second grade to high school. Um, so do you need to be an extrovert to go into sales um, or can you just kind of wing it? Yeah, no, the, uh, the studies, lots of studies have been done on this and um, inevitably, especially of the top 10%. And they show that 50% of people are extroverts and 50% are introverts. Mm. I mean, you wouldn't think that you would think it was 90, 10, you know, extrovert, Um, but it's not, you know, and I think that the biggest fear a lot of people have, which, you know, is the number one fear, right. In in, in the States um, is public speaking. And, the reason people fear public speaking more than dying, right, um, is because when you're dead, right, it doesn't matter what people think of you. You're dead, right? Just, but when you're alive, you you are so worried about what people think about you, you know, which goes back to need to be liked, right, which is what most salespeople have. And that's 
probably the biggest finding we find in these sales DNA tests we do on salespeople to help them, you know, figure out what's wrong is because they need to be liked. So when I was 18, or maybe I had just turned 19, they wanted me to give a talk at the uh, the Cutco, you know, convention, right? You know, thousand people there, 500 people. And I was just mortified, right? I mean, uh, shaking. Um, and the talk I had to give was called names and uses, right? So apparently I had all the best, you know, ways to use each knife, right? I just from my experience, right? Like this one used for tomato, this one, whatever, right? So people wanted to hear that. So I had to give that. It was more an instructional talk, not a motivational talk. So I'm up there, you know, behind the lectern, which, you know, you should never, ever speak behind, but they put a lectern, right, to literally help people be less afraid. And it causes them to be more afraid because they never get away from that. That's true. So the the lectern, you know, I'm at the lectern doing this thing. I'm like reading my notes and it's not just shaking. So after the talk, you know, I come off the stage and then there's all these people, all these kids, you know, lined up. And I'm like, what, what, what is this? And they were all like, dude, that was so awesome. I took so many notes and, you know, it was really, it, it, it felt, it was a unique feeling, right? Because it's like, hmm, this helping people thing is kind of cool. So, surprising, surprise, surprise. Yeah. So um, that was kind of what's helped me overcome that fear of speaking and realizing how much impact you can have on somebody, even if it's just one person. Hmm. And nobody cares. Like they, they're afraid, right, to speak. So when you're up there, they feel like they couldn't do what you're doing, right? So in a way, you know, you're inspiring them. But if you put yourself in their shoes, right? They're deathly afraid too. So if you mess up, they don't care. They would mess up. So we put all these kind of false thoughts, you know, in our head. You know, you listen, you believe what you want to believe, factually or not. You you post about what's happening in the country. You understand. Mm-hmm. People believe what they want to believe, whether it's factual or not on both sides. Yeah. That's I, I, I could tell you Aaron Rodgers is the worst statistical quarterback on the planet and you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Even, it, even it, if there were factual evidence, you wouldn't believe it. No, no. Cause I, cause but, I don't, cause I don't want to hear it and I'm not going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep surrounding myself with the things that I want to hear, which is funny because most of the time you learn things by being wrong as opposed to just reinforcing your opinion, whether it's correct or not. Um, but I want to, I want to touch on the, the, the need to be liked. Cause I know for yeah. me early on, it's, I didn't even, I didn't have the self-awareness to realize that that was what it was, but you sit there. And I think a lot of, especially young salespeople can relate to this. They sit there and they start their, they let their mind kind of take over and, and say, Oh, well, what if this happens? And what if this person thinks this, and then they laugh at me and then they hang up at me and, you know, they tell me to fuck off. And like, what about that? And, but at, I mean, you can attest to this. It's like, as soon as they hang up the phone, most of the time, whether it's good or bad they for like they're you're already out of their head like they don't even think for another no, five seconds don't. about you it's yeah. and then you're sitting there thinking this person's gonna go write a blog post about you online it's like dude right. it's really not that serious so it's something that 
once you kind of have that perspective in terms of this person really doesn't care, even if they do like what I'm saying, they really don't care that much. It's like you start to kind of lose that, that, that need to be liked. And if, like you said, if people like you, they'll like you. And it's when you're honest and you're trying to help people, the chances of, of being liked is they go up a lot more. Right. No, it's, um, we grew up like that though, especially in, in sales and business, right? Cause we've all been taught, you know, people buy from people they like and people they trust, which is not true. Okay. So when, when you've been taught something that isn't true, you start believing it, especially if you've been taught it for 20 years. Right? Mm -hmm. So if I told you, um, your worst enemy, right, was going to show up today at your house, right? The person you hate the most on the planet, right? Um, and they said, Nate, you know, I'm getting divorced. I got to get rid of my Ferrari. I just bought it. Um, just give me 10 grand cash and you can have it. Would you buy it? I would buy it. Why? It's, it's only 10 grand for a Ferrari, man. Come on. But you hate this person. I thought people only bought from people they liked. I feel could, could, I might be so able to look past them for the Ferrari, for the Rari. That's, might have to do that's that. the point, right? If there's value, right? You don't need to be somebody's best friend, nor do they give a shit if you're Gandhi. Like, if you have what I want and I think it's valuable, I'm going to buy it, right? Now, the top 5%, all the men and women I know that crush sales, they're all likable. They're, they're all down to earth. They're all friendly. They're not the wolf of Wall Street. They haven't served time in federal prison. They're normal people. But they don't need to be liked. They're not phonies, right? They are confident in themselves. But the difference is they would rather be respected. Mm. So... When a prospect pushes back on you or gives you an objection, right? Can you confront them? You know, or do you go into the need to be liked stuff and go, oh no, no problem, Nate. I understand. I'll call you back in 2025. Like yeah, that, yeah. that's what happens when you need to be liked. So people always ask, oh, I want to get better at overcoming objections and stuff. It's not the stupid lines that these other people teach you. It's not the line, right? It's not the comeback. It's not the script. It's you overcoming your need to be liked and confronting somebody and saying, Nate, we've talked for three months. These problems aren't going away. How many more times are we going to have to talk before you decide to make a change? And if you're not ready, dude, no problem, man. But let's just not waste each other's time. A hundred percent do that. Right. Yeah. And if you can't, you're going to miss sales. And once you realize like pe people don't want subconsciously, they don't want to keep rolling over people. Right. They don't want laid out. They want to be confronted. Like people do want that back and forth, especially people with big personalities. Mm. You know who they get along with other people with big personalities. So if they're a, a lion and you're a mouse, it ain't going to work out well for you. No. And they're, they're just going to the push you around. Yeah. The, the lion and an antelope, right? You don't want to yeah. be the antelope in that. Okay. So yeah. 
That's what I think causes a lot of the problems in sales, but all the other people want to learn the magic script. And what do I say? And it's not that guys, it's the sales DNA. It's the stuff in our heads. Mm -hmm. and, and speaking from experience, you can, can have the best script in the world and it'll probably give you a little bit of knowledge, I guess, but it's not going to, it's not going to help you when you're having a genuine conversation with a person and, and speaking from experience, it's like, I tried the, let me have this massive four page script with every possible yeah. thing they could say. And then they say it. And I go, this is yeah, my say response. This, say that, say this, say that, right. It's, that stuff doesn't work. Yeah. And it's, and it seems like, especially now more people are realizing that because it's it's just, you're, you send, you seem like a robot and people, people don't want to buy, no, people don't want to have a conversation, much less buy from somebody who just sounds like they're reading off a piece of paper. It's like, that's not, that's never going to work. <laughs> no, so. it's, it's, and if you, um, I just thought of this too, for some reason, but if, if any of you guys and gals who play golf, right. I could name you, right. Five golfers that have perfect swings who aren't even in the top hundred mm. perfect swings like that you would think that's a golf swing i want to emulate that not even in the top hundred then you have guys like bryson dechambeau who people thought was insane he thought he was it was crazy how how could you have all your golf clubs the same length and for those of you guys that don't play golf all 14 clubs are different lengths, right? He has all the same. People thought he was insane. He just won the U.S. Open in a blowout. Yeah, right? a so you got, you got guys like that. And then you have guys like Jim Furyk. And if you don't know Jim Furyk is, go look up that swing, okay? You, you wouldn't teach this swing to your worst enemy. The Barkley swing. Right, yeah, he literally. And yeah. he's... Shot 59, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame in golf. Like, but you would never teach that swing. So, is it the swing? Hell no. Is it the script? Hell no. So, that's a, that's a, yeah. Me think of that. But, that that's a very that's a very good point, and and I wanted to I wanted to get your thoughts on this just because um, you always, as I know you, I've known you for a while. You always talk about Belfort and and people like that, and I know for for the younger generation, they almost their first introduction to sales, if you will, was probably yeah, watching. First. Yeah, they watched the Wolf of Wall Street and was like, oh man, this guy made a shit ton of money just kind of ripping people off. Like I want to, I that's got to be it's got to be so easy. I'm gonna I'm gonna go do that and like. Like I said, a lot of people my age look up to him in terms of like they watch his podcast interviews or they even interview him themselves and they're asking him all these things. And they're like you said, they're learning from 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 somebody who served federal time in prison for being a shitty salesperson. So, so to everybody who I, and I like the Wolf of Wall Street, good movie, but I'm not going to emulate good. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to emulate like, what Belfort does. Just like Boiler Room, right? You know, I grew up on those movies, right? And Boiler Room. You know, it's a such a good movie. I've seen it 500 times. But what happens at the end of the movie, guys? Right. They get raided by the FBI and they all go to federal pound me in the ass prison. Like, do you, is that the ending you want? So you, you listen, can you take things from from Belfort that are good? Sure. Right. You could take things from Mr. 10X, who will probably also end up in prison at some point. Facts. So. You know, I, I'm not religious, right? But, and I don't listen. Everyone knows Joel Osteen, and he, you know he's in his own little batch of hot water right now for for taking PPP loans and living mm -hmm. in a fifty million dollar tax free 
uh, house. So, but are there things that he says that I could take? Sure, right? So, you, you know, you're never going to um, like everybody 100% or believe everything everybody says, right? I don't, listen, if people like what I say, fine. If they don't, fine. I'm not, I don't, it's, I learned most of the stuff, right, through experience or other people or following Jim Rohn or Tony or, you know, whoever, right? But who do you want to be? You know, it's funny. I, I gave, I, this exact topic came up on my Vistage talk yesterday and we were talking about movies, right? When you think of sales, what movies do you think of? And for the older guys, it's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? Always be closing, which again is God awful. I mean, if that's you, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I just, I feel bad for you. <laughs> if that's what you think life's about, you're going to have a long, lonely life, but you'll be rich. So good job. Um, that's the stuff that people hate about salespeople, but that's what's caused it all, this perception, right, of salespeople. Mm -hmm. So I asked all these men and women on the call, what sales movie comes to mind first, right? And they all said, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, right? Boiler Room, you know, a couple others. And I said, which one do you guys think is my favorite sales movie? And one guy, this guy, Adam, he goes, I know what it is. I go, what is it? He goes, pursuit of happiness. I said, you got it. You know, that's a real sales movie. Right? It's a great movie. It's, and it's, did Chris end up being successful? Super successful. The right way. Mm -hmm. So you, you can be amazingly successful in sales without lying to people, without bragging about how big your watch is. And, you know, all that crap that gets promoted on social media and in the movies, right? Most of it is not real. It's not real. So to each their own, right? If somebody wants to be the closer guy and the hardcore closer and all that crap, right? You want to close anybody that comes within three feet of you, <laughs> go ahead, right? That's yeah. your prerogative, right? Um, but it's just not the way that we teach and it's not the way that most consumers want to be sold to. Um, yeah. And especially now it's just not, it's just not successful. It really just doesn't work. Oh. People, people know that, 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 that shit doesn't work. Um, yeah. and it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, and it's interesting because like I said, a lot of people probably look up to Belfort and Wolf of Wall Street, but the pursuit of happiness is like, I remember watching that movie in business class in high school. And I was like, wow, this yeah. is a, this is a really good movie. And now I'm be, you know, being in real life now, it's like, that's more realistic than Belfort selling millions of dollars of stocks, stocks. Yeah. and yeah like that's yeah. that's that that rarely happens especially now if ever it's like but going through struggle having to sleep on the subway with your kid being a single like though that's real life for a lot of people and they spend years and years getting rejected rejected failing at x y and z things and then eventually they find something and they hit their stride and then they're successful that is you can attest that's what real life is like. It's not just all, as people say, sunshine and rainbows when you get raided by the FBI 20 years later. It's like you take that time early on to, to build yourself up, get rejected, even though it hurts, get rejected, learn from that, and then you eventually you'll hit your stride, you'll find your thing, and then then you'll be successful. It's not success doesn't come first, and then you get raided. It's that that's a recipe yeah. for disaster. Yeah, if you think about like Giovanni Ribisi's character in, in Boiler Room, right? He's 
he's a nice kid that got caught up right in this bullshit. So then, but he knew, okay, it was wrong, right? When he started seeing all the prospectuses with just one name on it, right? They knew it was all fake. He still continued to sell fake stocks to people. He still continued, right? To try to get his dad in a stock scam, right? A judge. So crazy. when you don't know you're doing something wrong and you make a mistake, you know, sometimes it happens. But when you knowingly, right, continue to do the wrong thing, you know it's wrong, you know you can get in trouble and you keep doing it, hey, you have to deal with the consequences, right? And you make your own bed, right? You got to lie. So you got to figure that you got to be okay with yourself for doing that at the end of the day, which is it. That's must be pretty tough. I can't, I couldn't, couldn't do it. I, I my conscience is too present. There's lots life. of people in the Bernie Madoffs of the world, right? All of them, they get started on this train, right? And then it doesn't stop because it's money and more money and more money. And then you mix in the drugs, right? Like with, with uh, Mr. Wolf of Wall Street. And now you're just a runaway train of this disaster, right? Waiting to happen. You destroy relationships, you destroy lives, you destroy your children's lives. Yeah, your family. All for what? for, for, for money like that, that's, so if you guys early on can learn that, you know, money is, is it's an inanimate object, right? It's, it's worth something to someone and not a lot to others, but it still has the same value. Right. But what is it going to do to you? Right. It's like this drug, you know, that Mm. I know people, right. That it literally is like heroin right? They, they just need more of it, more of it, more of it. When they don't have any, they start freaking out and they got to get more. And so they, you know, start doing the aggressive sales stuff and strong arming people into contracts. It's like, it, guys, it's, it's not going to end up well for you. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's, not- that's the thing. It's people want that short-term gratification and being, Oh, I'm getting money. I'm making this much money a month. And then again, it, it doesn't end up well. And I think my generation's going to be a lot better at this, but really looking a little bit deeper. And that's what I always try to talk about. Like, think about where you want to be, not in five months, but where do you want to be in five, 10, 15 years? Do you want to have great relationships and still have a good career? Or do you want a bunch of people to hate you? You have a bunch of money, no family, because you're just I- been an asshole to everybody. And, and focused on money. And I, like money is certainly important and you can do a lot of things obviously with money that you couldn't otherwise. But at the end of the day, again, it goes back to, to your conscience. It's, are you okay with, you know, your actions and the life that you live? And I've, I've talked to people who spend their, you know, a 40, 50 years of their life doing that. And now they're, they're at the end of their life and they're sad. They're upset because they, they wasted this precious time. They could have been building great relationships and just being a good human and instead they they focused on the money which again i want to i'll be honest it's still important but again is it is it everything to you and i think for 99% of people if they really thought about it it's probably not the only thing they care about yeah it takes some time to learn right i had to learn you know in my 20s right i had lots of expensive cars really expensive cars um and i look back today i'm like what a moron i mean like it's it probably cost me a million dollars, right? Like I would have a million dollars more today in real estate or stocks or cash or invest or whatever, right? But instead, luxury car companies have that. So why? 
well, that's what I thought, right? That's what, when I saw Boiler Room, they were driving those cars, you know? And so that was when I was 23, when that came out. So it was like, you get influenced by that because that's what you think you should do. And, you know, yeah, was it, was it fun? Yeah. Did it help me get girls? Yeah. Did it help me look better for business? Yeah. But did it help me become a better Steve? No way. Right. It, I was worse. So when I realized it, I'm like, what am, what am I doing? And you, Buffett doesn't drive a McLaren. I, you know, like, or does he wear Gucci? Elon Musk, right? Doesn't, you know, it's just yeah. like, what are we doing? So listen, everybody could do whatever the fuck you want. Right. But you have to do what's, what's going to make you happy in the long run and inevitably right money does not right some foreign car does not so it's experiences it's people but you learn the hard way and i tell young people all the time you know again to make the mistake if you want but i'm just telling you from my experience it's not worth blowing 100 grand on a car okay mm -hmm. it's just not now if you sell your company for 700 million and you want to buy a hundred thousand fine but when you make 200 grand and buy a car for a hundred, that's stupid. Yeah. Right. And you don't have a home or you don't have real estate or you don't have retirement or investments or whatever. It, we, we know sometimes it's the wrong decision and we still do it. Right. Cause we want instant gratification. We're not thinking about when I'm 30, I'd like to have two homes instead of none and living with my parents. Right. And I think with social media, it's, it's even worse today for people. And they see, obviously they just it see the, works. Yeah. the best sides of people's lives and they yeah. see the cars and they see the, the edited clips of them, you know, cliff jumping in the Bahamas yeah. and doing on the private jets and this, that, and the other thing. And even if they, that is part of their life, it took a whole lot to get there. And they probably didn't get there by blowing a lot of their money on, on dumb shit, like expensive cars, et cetera. Um, they right. probably had to work pretty hard to actually get to that spot and of course you only see the the good side of what they want you they, you don't see the failures for the most part you just see their their a hundred thousand dollar tesla but you don't see yeah. everything else no you you'll never see it and then you also have the people you know who are literally a bunch of phonies right who just created this fake persona right to make you think they're rich right um ty lopez dan Locke, right all these scumbags i mean they're just soulless people. And look, say I'm hating on him. I don't give a shit. They are. He rented mansions and cars. It, it, he said it. It's not, a, this is what he did, right? To put the persona of, I know how to build a business. He rented cars and mansions in Beverly Hills to film the videos. He rented private jets that couldn't leave the tarmac. Like you just sit on it and film the video. <laughs> like the, this is a Dan Locke, another complete scumbag scam artist, right? I mean, these guys that just make up this bullshit and get the, the mentally weak to buy into it. It's not real, guys. It's just not real. But that's what social media has created, right? It's created a bunch of monsters. Um, and now these monsters see these other monsters. And now you've got a gigantic problem. Right. Yeah. And, I, and, I, 
And it's really easy for people to fall into that trap because they see the ads and they see the the quick little clips on social media and they're like, oh, I want to be able to do that. And like, again, being as as somebody who was young and saw that stuff, it's fairly tempting because you're like, oh, I think it's true, right? You think it's true. It's like what we said before, you believe what you want to believe. So if you believe that Ty Lopez is some business maven, right? And he's got this mansion and that's what you want, you're going to believe it. You won't look into it. You'll just trust it because you saw it on social media, but none of it was true. None of it was true. So what could I have done that? I guess, could I lie to people and then make them $20 million? Yeah. But what, how could you sleep at night? I mean, what, why would you want to build a life like that? So, you know, I learned this stuff way too late, you know, in life. And when I uh, got my place in Costa Rica, so I moved to Costa Rica in 2019, you probably know this, and I was not coming back because I wanted to build my business down there and have everything virtual. But Pretty cool. I'm, people, I want to head down there. Just I'm yeah, a little bit jealous. It seems so cool. I, I want to, too. I want to go back because uh, uh, with the travel stuff, it's hard, but um, in mm. business, but all the Costa Ricans, right? The Ticos, right? The Ticos down there, they don't, they don't have anything, right? They're poor, but they, most of them don't have cars. Most of them don't have bicycles, right? They walk. So you see how happy they are as a people and how genuine they are. And they'll invite you into their home for dinner. They don't even know who you are, right? They're just happy that they live in a beautiful place um, with, with kindness and love. It, it, it taught me a lot, right? Which is the total opposite here, right? In, in, in the States, right? Everybody wants money and excess and fame and likes and followers and all this fake bullshit that doesn't exist out there. That's why it's paradise, right? It's like right. going back in time almost, you know? Uh, but that's, you've got to make that decision in your life, right? If you're listening to this in your future business career, you know, entrepreneurship journey, whatever it is you want to do, who do you want to be? How, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want people to feel when they're around you, right? What impact do you want to have on people? So those are the things that I focus on now that I should have focused on in my twenties. And and I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but going to Costa Rica and seeing that side of the world, if you will, like really broadening your perspective probably helped a lot with that. And being from a, a small Midwestern town myself, it's like a lot of people just never get out of the spot that they're in. And I mean, I, I forget the stat exactly, but it's something like only 20% of Americans like have ever traveled outside of like a certain. Oh yeah. It's super small. It's insane. And that's, yeah. And just for myself, it's like, that's why I want to see places like Costa Rica, Asia, like these, these quote unquote, poorer, lesser nations. You get, you follow Drew Binsky. I don't know. Yeah. Watch Drew. Um, So Drew, I think he's, he might be 30 now, but uh, in his 20s. So he's he's the redheaded kid that's been to like 192 countries, if you haven't seen him on, on social media. But mm-hmm. I watch his stuff. It's pretty cool. So I watched one where he was in Afghanistan. And, you know, he's going around. He's like, guys, I just need to tell you, you know, what you see on TV is not, it's not real. Like, does Afghanistan have problems? Yes, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. But when he was going around the country, meeting all these people, he's like, guys, this is the friendliest country I've ever been to. These people are so warm and welcoming. They love Americans. Right. 
And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Afghanistan? Then he was in Pakistan, right? A couple other places, Iran, right? Iraq. Mm -hmm. Most of the people over there, guys, are nice people. They're nicer than American people. They like America, right? Yeah. It's, you see this 0.1% of extreme idiots like bin Laden, right? Um, and Khomeini, all these crazy people. But he would never have known that if he didn't go and experience it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what's lacking, right? Is people getting this, this real world experience with real people and real businesses um, and real countries that they don't see on social media and in the movies, right? So that's how all these phony impressions are created, right? Because they've never left their basement. Mm -hmm. And that's what they think selling is about, right? I want a Lambo. I want a Rolex, right? It's like, dude, I know a lot of salespeople that make seven figures and none of them have that bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. They have a normal house. They got a family. They've got friends, right? They have a nice life they travel right maybe they got two three houses but they got all the money in the bank and investments and so on they're not spending three hundred thousand on a lamborghini yeah and they're and i'd be willing to bet they're probably much happier than the Way single, happy. single guy who's 50 and has the lamborghini but he's yeah. like at the end of the day again he's by himself with his lambo oh he's been shit. yeah three three marriages right yeah uh, right. lost a bunch of his money know people. Doesn't, doesn't see his kids i mm -hmm. i could i I know tons of those people. Mm. Uh, it's not good. Priorities, everybody. And I want to, I want to touch on your book because it's, it's called, it's titled sales is not a dirty word. And I, I mentioned it in the intro. If you guys haven't read that yet, definitely, definitely check it out. Um, but how did you kind of, where did the inspiration for that title come from? And like, do you, do you think that people's perspective have changed since let's say the late nineties, early two thousands on sales? And how has that changed from then to, to 2021? I mean, it's, it's slowly changing. That's kind of my whole goal, right? Is to change the perception of salespeople and sales trainers and whatever you call people like me, right? It's slowly changing. Um, the pandemic is really helping to say, it's unfortunate to say that, but people are realizing now that life is short and that anything can happen and that your legacy could end like today, right? And so, or your life. So how do you want to live it, right? Because you might not get tomorrow. So I remember saying it to somebody once because they, I forget, I don't think it was, it was in a meeting a few years ago. And I think it was when I was with Aflac or something. And someone says, I hate everything about sales, right? I, you know, a lot of people feel that way. I could never do sales. I don't want to be, you know, rude and obnoxious. And I'm like, lady, <laughs> Sales isn't like a dirty word. You're treating it like you have a tough time saying it, right? Like, mm. you know, George Carlin's right, seven words, right? So <laughs> that's, I think, when I first thought of it. And um, people still think it is, right? They still think, right, that salespeople are, you know, slimy and pushy and rude. And they got the, the gold medallion and the plaid jacket, you know, and the greased up hair. And it's like, it's, they're not wrong because, again, look at Hollywood. Look at the movies they promote, right? A, a, a drug-fueled, right, cheating, lying, conniving scumbag. That's what they promote, 
it's probably the first image people get of sales, especially like early on. They're like, oh, this is what a salesperson. I'm not, I don't want Especially this new generation, right? Because yeah. Wolf of Wall Street came out 2015. So mm -hmm. now, is it possible that Belfort has changed? Yeah, right. Is it possible that he learned from his mistakes? Yes, that's all possible. Mm -hmm. um, and is it possible that people can be better people afterwards? Absolutely. So you know, can you give them the benefit of the doubt? Sure. But what was promoted wasn't that stuff. Yeah. They don't, they don't talk about how he performed. Right. 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 You know, it's like, guys, you, you were celebrating illegal behavior and hundreds of families, hundreds guys are, are destroyed and have been destroyed forever. Hundreds of families right? $200 million stolen from them. If you were one of those families and your dad got fleeced by him, how would you feel? So people don't see that part, but mm -hmm. that's the facts, right? And whether you choose to believe it or not, right? Same thing with Mr. 10X, gigantic phony. I mean, put, puts on a fake Southern accent that he didn't have seven years ago. I mean, it's just like what the, the, the class action lawsuits he's in now, right? Which there are several mm -hmm. for false advertising, right? Go, go to his website. He, he promises returns that are not real. 30% IRRs on prop, like what? I'd like to just tell people to, to buy my course and they'd make $50 million, but that <laughs> isn't true. And I should have to pay for lying to people, but it will all come out. I've seen the contracts, right? The, people don't even read the contract and they just sign it. They go, oh, I'm going to get 6% return. No, you're not. You're going to get 3.6. Well, how do I get 3.6? Oh, oh, it doesn't say he takes a 1% management fee and a 3% monthly uh, coordination. Like, mm. So it, it's also the buyer beware thing, you know, which to some degree is true, right? You're not going to pick on people that Bernie Madoff fleeced, right? Is that their fault? I don't know. Is it? Maybe. Did you do research on the guy? Did you talk to his former clients? You know, do, do you know what's happening? So again, I, I'm there's so many other people that I would rather emulate and follow, and they're not famous, right? They're not that's, that's key. That's key. Um, they're real people, and they might not have a lot of money. Who gives a shit? They have character, they have integrity, they have real followers not fake ones mm -hmm. you did you see did you, you know um dave portnoy from barstool sports of course i used to not like dave and i you know look we're from the same town like we're yeah. you're both so, mass so, boys. yeah so uh, you know some of the stuff that he said was bothersome right but you know some of it's good and but I have to admit that what he's doing now, right, with raising funds for small businesses, you know, it's pretty amazing, right? Awesome. And people still will give him shit. Still, but they ain't doing anything for small businesses, right? Like he is. He just had Aaron Rodgers on, if you saw it. Yeah, um, I did. That was cool. So he's 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 put in five hundred grand of his own money. You know, the fund is up to 
I don't hundred. I think I, I think I just saw this morning. It was like 24, 25 million total. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but gonna, it's, it's from like a hundred, hundred thousand, like regular people right. who are donating five bucks, 10 money. bucks, 20 yeah. bucks, right? Like crowdfunding thing. Right. And so he's at, he's genuinely doing something good. Right. And he's got a lot of celebrities behind him and so on. I should send you the, the, uh, the, the screenshot of the tweet. So Mr. 10 X tweets Portnoy directly. Actually, I think it was an Instagram message. Hey, Dave, happy to throw in a hundred thousand of my own money, but we need you on stage at 10 X for an hour. Like, but all this guy does is this fake phony philanthropy shit so he can sell tickets to a stupid event that is his sole motivation right a genuine person says dave here's a hundred grand and doesn't publicize it and doesn't direct message him and make a comment on his ig post for the whole world to see right now granted could it be a screenshot fake it could be but everything that you can see if you do real research will show this person's actions, right? Yeah. And so that's the part that really bothers me. Not, not because I give a shit about fucking Cardo. I couldn't care less if the guy, um, you know, is successful or not. I feel bad for the people that are getting fleeced, right? And hoodwinked, right? And, and turned into that type of person. You know, we, we talk about a lot of people getting radicalized, right? Um, on the left, on the on the right, they're they're all ISIS, right? We could Nazis, uh, Jim yeah. Jones. That this will happen for the rest of society, right? You have this radicalized right section of people. That's what these people are doing to salespeople. That's what I'm concerned about. Mm. Is the radicalized salesperson that believes in that bullshit? So. That's the part I'm trying to change and keep people away from. And whether or not they do with anything with me or coach or buy my course or I, whatever, <laughs> I stopped caring a long time ago. But mm. if I can help one person realize that it's not the way to be successful in sales and to please stop perpetuating that myth, we are all better off, right? As, as salespeople, as business owners when people don't see that as much, right? We have to weed that out. And so, you know, you you see stuff like Mr. 10X making videos, telling people to sell off all their 401k in retirement and give him the money. That's real. He made that video, he posted it. If you're okay with that, I feel really really bad for you really bad mm-hmm. because when you willingly destroy people's lives to make more millions and you already are rich you have serious serious psychological issues and character flaws yeah serious and I just yeah and that's why and that's why i'm thankful that ultimately because again i've seen it we've all seen it online and it's very easy to believe what they're what the the story that they're selling you but you bring up a great point actions speak louder than than words yeah. do and that's why i mean that's why i'm thankful i found you like when i did when i really needed to like 
get some st- skill up a little bit and do it in the right way, as opposed to doing the Grand Cardone, just get, get me to sign this as quick as possible. Don't think about anything else. Just give me the money type type deal and did it. Maybe is it a little bit slower of a process potentially, but in the long run, again, going back to pursuit of happiness, it's like, think about where you want to eventually be, not just in the moment today of how much money can I make this week, this this month, this year? It's like, think about the long-term, think about the relationships, think about your image, ultimately. Think of, think of, think of evangelists, right? Now, most of these guys, I mean, just complete and utter scumbags, right? And they use the church as their way to fleece people. And you got guys, if you've ever watched um, go YouTube uh, evangelists, um, John Oliver's uh, one on evangelists, it's hilarious. You're just like, how are these people not in prison? They tell people to stop taking chemo and give them the money because God will cure their cancer. They tell people, God told me I need a $65 million plane, this douchebag called Creflo Dollar. Look him up. I've seen that, yeah. That's insane. How are these people, Kenneth Copeland, the biggest scumbag on the planet, saying all this stuff, COVID's fake and it's done by the, this is like, how, how are these people allowed to even operate, right? And no idea. They're men of God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. But does that mean that all, all Christians are scumbags? No. But that's what I'm talking about with this radical right, you know, these lunatics, right? On, on whatever it is. Yeah. There, there's life, always, politics, always church, business, sports. It doesn't matter. There's sports radicalists, right? Oh, I remember in Fenway, right? Whenever the Yankees come, right? Yankees suck. Yankees suck. No, the Yankees are in first place by 12 games. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what is a stupid chant? And I want to say stuff, you know, oh, Jeter sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Jeter sucks. Okay. Just yeah. like the opposite, right? Tom Brady sucks. Yeah. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. With, right? with, his, with his rings. Yeah. Sorry. I got six rings. I, I, I can't hear you what did you say yeah <laughs> it's it's hot but it happens you know people didn't like kobe it, 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 the list goes on but what, what where do you want to be do you want to be one of these psychopath evangelists you know lunatic radical people or do you want to be like a normal dude right mm. or gal and you can be and you can have success and you can be happy you just don't need to chase the dollar and risk mortgaging your integrity to do it. That's a, that's a very good point. I think that that leads perfectly into the last question I have for you here, just because, like I said, a majority of my audience is really either late in high school, about to enter the college stage. Maybe they're a young professional. They're just graduated doing some, you know, working for Salesforce or something like that, but they don't, they don't really know what's going on. And what, what advice would you give to some, a young professional in that position who either is in sales, but doesn't really know like how to, how to learn the right thing. There's so much damn information or somebody who wants to go into business. Maybe they're thinking about dropping out of college, getting into sales, but they don't want to lose the safety net or piss off mommy and daddy. Like, what would you say to, to those people? That's, that's how we'll end the show today. I'd say uh, be willing to make a lot of mistakes. 
I would say you'll be fine. You'll recover. You're not going to die. Um, I would say don't listen to everybody because you have, listen, your parents, they're telling you this stuff to protect you. They're not telling you because they want you to fail. They're like when my dad told me I was crazy for selling knives, he didn't want me to fail. He just didn't want me to be hurt by it. Right. So sometimes the closest people in your lives cause the most damage, right? Unintentionally. So at some point, you know, you got to do you like, I didn't care that my parents didn't want me selling Cutco. If my mom didn't want the money, I would have gone to 10 of my friends and got 12 bucks each, right? Because I was just going to do it. And if I failed, I failed. So be it. Um, but the, the, when it comes to if you're already in a role, right, that maybe you don't like or maybe, you know, your boss is an asshole or whatever, get the fuck out there are so many great people around and organizations to be a part of. And you can see the writing on the wall. If you're getting treated right poorly, get out because it ain't going to change. It's not going to get better. Right. If, if you get mistreated. Um, I remember in between Cutco and Aflac, I sold cars right for three months and my everything you heard about car dealerships is true. At least the one I was at. Right didn't care about the people. They call them ups. They're not even recognized as people. Um, and all the stuff they made me do. And my second month of the dealership, I was number one in the dealership. And people were like, what the, f how does he, what is he doing? And I was acting like a normal person. I made appointments. I got referrals. I didn't do anything the way that they told me to do. And so we had this little bonus wheel thing that you would spin, right? And so I got a thousand bucks on the thing. And they refused to pay me the thousand bucks, right? Because they made up some bullshit of I wasn't there long enough, or I don't even know what it was. And I walked in the next day. I'm like, Drew, I'm out. Nice. Thanks. Thanks for teaching me a valuable lesson. You know, see you later. Yeah. Thanks for teaching me what not to do, what not Correct. to be like. Correct. So if you start seeing this stuff in your organization or with the leaders or with the way they teach you to sell or the questionable ethics from, from, you know, the CEO get out. You do not want to be associated with these people. And sometimes it's hard for people to leave because they're making money, right. Or they have a good job or whatever it might be, but you got to start finding a way to get away from these people. And I think way too many times young people stay at organizations way longer than they should because they're afraid to leave and what's going to happen on the other side. But mm. just remember, you're not going to die. You'll be okay. You can always find a regular job until you get back on your feet, right? So it's not the end of the world, but it causes way too much damage, right? To stay in these very uh, morally inept, you know, organizations, which I wish I'd have made some, some changes earlier in, in, in my day. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Steve and I are, are both speak, speaking from experience on that one. So this was a, I know this is a super value, a valuable episode, Steve, appreciate you jumping on here. Where can the, where can the people find you if you want to, if they want to either learn more about what you're doing or just simply follow a real guy, a genuine guy who is absolutely crushing it and helping a lot of other salespeople crush it. Yeah. I mean, we certainly connect social media is, you know, great. Um, 
you know, Instagram is the Steve Haru, right? T-H-E, right? S-T-E-V-E-H-E-R-O-U-X. So that's an easy one. LinkedIn, of course, where we, we connected um, is always, you know, a, a great way. And uh, Victory Selling, right? It's the name of my, my company. So I'm just excited because we have so much stuff coming out. All the new content's coming out tomorrow um, for Victory Sales Accelerator, which is kind of like my nine step system of selling with, with honesty, integrity, humility, I've been working on for a year. So those are probably some great ways to, to really start learning how to do things the right way. And from, from my experience, I learned from, from some of the greatest, you know, Jim Rohn and, and Zig Ziglar and Simon Sinek and um, all those folks that have influenced me is kind of the way I want to uh, pay it back, right? And teach those same things so we can be successful in sales and be happy and, and rest our head on the pillow uh, at night. Mm -hmm. That's, that's important guys. Take it, take it from me. It's much, much, you're much better off finding a guy like Steve, somebody who's real, somebody who, like you said, teaches you how to sell with honesty and integrity, et cetera, rather than just the cheapo guys who you see a couple Facebook ads for online. It's not worth it. Find real people. And Steve, thanks for coming on today, man. Really appreciate thanks, it. Buddy. See you soon. All right. Thanks. Man. Thanks.